I guess they were washing machines on the fritz, so they were using paper. And I, I did get a coffee and a paper mug and just started talking to the guy. And he asked like why I cared so much. And I asked him if he ever thought about the amount of garbage that he has to haul out to the street every day, just plastic and paper. And he really had never considered it other than just a task that he has to do at the end of his shift. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. This episode is about a simple experiment that anyone can do. It costs nothing, takes no extra time or other resources besides carrying a mug with you. Everybody knows how much garbage we're dumping in the ocean. Everybody knows they can pollute less, including me, including you. This episode shares Sean's experience cutting out coffee cups. I'd say you probably never have to use another coffee cup again, but practically speaking, some people, they hit challenges. Sean did. So let's hear his experience. You can probably do something similar yourself. Well, let's start. (laughs) Yeah. Where do you want to kick off? So where did we leave things last time? We were talking well, coffee. Yeah, we were talking mostly about coffee. And as a when we were catching up before, as I mentioned, I've been traveling quite a bit the last few weeks. And for the next six, seven weeks, we'll be uh, on the road. And the challenge I gave myself was to avoid disposable coffee cups while just in general. And the sort of second tier of that challenge was to avoid them while traveling. And admittedly, that's been a little bit harder than I expected it to be. You are not alone in that reaction. Yeah. In fact, traveling uh, is the big, is one of the two big things that, that hits people because when you're not traveling, you have a lot more control of your environment. So how did things play out for you? Yeah. I mean, I typically when I travel, will bring a, a reusable mug, but you know, if I forget that, then it throws the entire challenge off for the week that I'm traveling because I didn't plan ahead. Uh, and that has happened a few times over the last, call it six weeks since we last checked in. Yeah, I think there's something about when you're falling outside of the routine you're normally used to, it, it makes it way harder to control and you, uh, you succumb a little bit to impulses rather than trying to stick to decisions that you know will be better for you in the long run. So I think that that comes through for me, like diet choices when I'm eating, when I'm traveling, gym, schedule, running, working out, et cetera. And uh, specifically with this challenge, use so disposable coffee cups. Let's go to the details. Uh, what's the story of what happened? What are the facts? What, what happened? So the one concrete example was uh, two weeks ago, I was taking a day trip up to Rhode Island again. 
and I did not bring a, a disposable or a reusable cup. And, you know, driving eight-ish hours during the day is a little taxing, so we needed some caffeine to get through that. So I had to bite the bullet and buy some disposable cups from the local Starbucks. Oh, so you mean you bought coffee in disposable cups? It, correct. Yeah, bought coffee in a disposable cup, and which so- is what I've been trying to avoid. And so that was just the one occasion? Did you, I mean, that doesn't sound so... No, I've also found on on the weekends, if I'm out and about, like catching up with friends or going and visiting family, I've also, again, not had a reusable cup. And I try to, in some situations, buy, well, typically just get an espresso shot, uh, which comes in a reusable cup. But outside of that, it's kind of difficult. And on airplanes especially, I've found that stewardesses don't like when you hand them a cup to fill up. <laughs> they want to use the, the standard issue paper plastic that they're used to dealing with. So you brought a mug with you on the plane and asked them to fill it and they wouldn't fill it? Uh, yeah, because it wouldn't fit underneath the... I walked into the back of the plane and it wouldn't fit underneath this out the disposal. So part of me was like, how come you didn't have the disposable cup when you're at Starbucks? And then part of me is like, well, it brought it on the plane. Obviously, he's not like slacking here. It feels like it's tough to go up against resistance. Like the world is set up with systems that are work a certain way. And yeah, and you know, a lot of people when they're doing their job day in and day out, they have a process and they don't really like to deviate from it because it, it taxes them. It's exception handling. And you'd rather just do things the way you know how to do them than think about how to like change your process, even if it's something as small as which cup you're using. And like with the reusable cup, I've had to figure out what size it was because that makes a big difference in terms of making drinks uh, and how much I get charged for them. Well, you're saying that people don't like to change stuff, but you're changing stuff. What's the difference between you and them? I am changing my pattern, but I think for a lot of baristas, they're just to some extent, it's kind of like a production line. You're, they are pumping out drinks and there's long lines and they just want to make as many maca latte frappuccinos as they can as quickly as possible. So your choice came from, the first thing you said was you're choosing. So it's your choice to do it, whereas they're not choosing to do it. And then they also have- I'm forcing, yeah. And I'm forcing my preference and behavior onto them, which is making them change a process that- they haven't really thought a lot about. All right. So you're now you're talking about motivating others and changing others or the prospect of it. So how does it feel? How did it feel what you're doing? Was it hard, easy, fun, difficult, or what? It's been fun. It's led to a lot of really interesting conversations. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, I thought you were I mean, going to say like, oh, it's, a, it's, it's like, it's easy when I do it, but when I have to do it with other people, it's a chore, but it sounds like some of it's a chore, but some of it is, tell me. Yeah, it, it definitely is a, a bit of a conversation starter when you walk into a, a coffee shop and you hand them a mug that you brought and they're not really sure <laughs> why you're doing that. I've also heard from baristas that they don't like using reusable mugs because a lot of people don't wash them before bringing them to a coffee shop and that's gross uh, and also then requires them to clean them out beforehand. So there's uh, you know, some some bad behaviors out there that people have that contribute to a a negative view of reusable mugs from their vantage point. It sounds like there's stories behind 
your interactions with some baristas. Can you share a couple stories of what these conversations, how did, how did the conversation start and what were they about and what was the interaction like? Yeah. At one coffee shop I go to near my office, they, uh, they ran out of, of reusable mugs one day there. I guess their washing machine was on the fritz, so they were using paper. And I, I did get a coffee and a paper mug and just started talking to the guy, the barista, and he asked like why I cared so much. And I asked him if he ever thought about the amount of garbage that he has to haul out to the street every day, just plastic and paper and he really had never considered it other than just a task that he has to do at the end of his shift. And now he knows when I walk in, he pulls off, he pulls down a, a shot glass, a glass. Uh, and I don't really like, I'm a known quantity to him now. And how does that, what's the relationship like? Are, are you friends with the guy or are you, is, oh, are you yeah. sure to him? No, no, I, I don't think he really, it's not a huge burden for him because they have at that, store they have typically an ample supply of glassware and it's not a huge difference for him whether he's pouring a shot of espresso into that or a paper cup so i think a lot of people think the reason i'm asking is that i think a lot of people think that it's a chore it's a pain but i think that if you go into it thinking i'm going to be friends with this person then i think it creates relationships it has the potential to yeah it it does it and it at the the local coffee shops around my office, they they know me as that guy, hmm. uh, and it's nice to walk into a place and see familiar faces, and they already know what you're going to order, how your preferences around ordering it, and if they know the backstory, it just provides them a little more context. Oh, so this is even different than I expected or or thought at first. That it's not just that they tolerate you. Are, is this helping them get to know you and helping build relationships that wouldn't have been built otherwise? Yeah, it's definitely led to way more conversations than I've had in the past, call it two, three years of working in Manhattan and going to coffee shops. So did it used to be when you went to a coffee shop, you would just say, this is what my order is. They give you the order, you'd get your coffee and you and move on. Yeah. So you would have been happier if there were robots behind the counter because you weren't really interacting with them. Yeah, it was just... A production line. Now it's uh, an actual conversation and on first name basis with uh, a lot of the, the people who work at the Joe Coffee Shop over on Hudson Street. Now everyone who, who's listening to me knows that I'm I'm looking for positive things here, you know, productive things. But I, I, this is actually kind of surprising to me because I think that a lot of people, you know, you, you can work at home, you can get coffee at home. I think a lot of people they go to coffee shops in order to meet people, in order to have friendly faces. And yeah, half the reason I go to a coffee shop is just to get outside of the office. And even though you were getting out of the office and going to places to have some, presumably some social interaction, you weren't doing it. And I know this is actually giving you an opportunity to do that, to share a little of your personality. Yeah. And it's also sparked inside the office. It's led to a lot of conversations within the team. And now uh, most of the people in my office have reusable mugs that they use when they're making tea or coffee in the office rather than using the paper cups that we were, we have laying around. Okay. Everyone who went, went to college knows that when someone wants to change the temperature of a room or you have a policy for washing dishes, you know, someone ends up leaving notes, but not actually being face to face. And it always, it's all this complicated stuff. And now you're doing something and you're getting results, but you're not, are you suggesting that people change your behavior or are they just following you? Or how did it happen that you're getting an office to change? Because most people 
I think, are afraid of doing it because one, they think if they do it, they'll be weird, but you're doing it and you're making friends, friends out of it. And two, they think they're going to be, be imposing on others and they don't want to get into that mess of leadership. And, they want to be leaders, but they don't want to do this. It came about pretty haphazardly. I was out grabbing coffee with some, the team and sort of telling them about the challenge I'm doing. And when we got back to the office, somebody went to grab a cup of tea a little later. And one of the benefits of being on the marketing team is I get to control the, the swag we have for conferences and events. And we happen to have a box of reusable mugs that we give out at events. So I just grabbed a bunch out of the, the box and handed them out to everyone on the, the team. Some people are using them. I mean, okay, so that's what you did. How did it feel? Were, were you like nervous about doing it? Were you just enthusiastic or you just, this is a matter of fact thing? No, uh, it was pretty matter of fact. And hey, anytime you're handing out free, free stuff, it, people always respond positively. Yeah. What you're doing is reusing a mug. What value is this connecting to? What's, what is it that you're making the world a better place or that you're connecting with people or what are you doing internally? Internally, it's, it's coming from the desire just to lighten my footprint on the earth a little bit and reduce the amount of trash I'm creating. Even that, I mean, I feel like there's more to it than that because that seems to me like abstract. You can't really sense that. Yeah, it, it is a, a little abstract, but I, I think it's coming from the desire to, to do intellectually. I, I know that the path our consumeristic society is on is not sustainable and that we are producing way more trash and it's having all of these ramifications down the, the environmental and food chain. And this feels like a small concrete step that I can take to every day to, to reduce the, the amount of crap I'm putting out into the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm hearing, I'm hearing a bit of personal responsibility, accountability, something like that. Yeah. Is it fair to say ultimately grounded in caring for the people that would be affected by it? Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, also a little selfish because the amount of times I've gone out and like to the beach or out hiking and camping and see trash washing up on the lake or river shore or ocean. Uh, it's, it's kind of nasty and it's frustrating. Yeah. Do you look at that stuff any differently now? I mean, I see living in New York, it's all over the place. Oh, yeah. I mean, beach. you can barely walk down a block without seeing bags of trash opened up on the street. And do you, I mean, that was the case before you did this, this uh, challenge. Has the challenge changed your perspective of the stuff you see on the street? Or on the beach? Oh, I, I think I just notice it a lot more. Because I have to say, yeah, I notice a lot more too. And the feeling of just like, I don't it's know. It's kind of overwhelming. Like, yeah. There's no way you can actually make a dent in it. And the systems in place in the city for trash collection are such that they're really shitty. And unless the, the city spends a lot of money rejiggering their their policies and their waste collection, it's not going to change. Well, you know, part of the goal of this podcast is for people to choose to pick it up themselves because sanitation department, the sanitation department is there to pick this stuff up, but why is it getting there in the first place? What, I mean, I'm not, this is a rhetorical question, but how are people choosing to just put it all over the place? And to me, you know, I, there's an optimism and a hope an expectation of changing people's default behavior 
with this podcast that's driving me. But looking at how much trash there is, it's sometimes I wonder if there's any point because people for either they don't care or they don't know, or they got other things that they'd rather think about. And yeah, I guess when I like walking around the city, I've started to group the trash in the street into two major buckets. There's like when restaurants and stuff are throwing things out at the end of the night, they just schlep it on the curb. And a lot of times those bags will rip or an animal will open them up and that that causes trash to spread on the street. And I think that's more of a structural issue with the way trash is collected in the city. But then in a second vein, uh, like people just throwing stuff in the middle of the street because they don't want to walk down to the garbage can at the end of the block is uh, a bit of a personal responsibility issue. Yeah, I agree with that delineation or that distinction. Although I also look at it, there's just giant factories that are producing all these things and we're patronizing the factories. You know, they're getting money from us and we're using it and people aren't thinking about it. I mean, I hope that this podcast gets really big so that people, you know, everything that passes through you, I think people don't even notice it. They just take for granted that you just, you fill up a garbage bag full of garbage a couple times a week and that's just life. But hundred years ago before plastic, that was no big deal. I mean, there'd be landfills, but I guess there are landfills, but everything was biodegradable. Everything, everything was biodegradable, but now nothing's biodegradable. Yeah. And I don't know if you've heard the story of the coal mine out in Philadelphia. The one that's on fire. Pennsylvania. Yeah. The one that's been on fire and will be on fire for the next hundred ish years they expect. Yeah. That all came about because of a landfill that was full of toxic stuff and they just lit it on fire to try and get rid of it and it ended up setting the coal vein on fire and has now forced hundreds of people out of their homes because uh well the ground is literally collapsing underneath them yeah so people who are listening to this it's like this is worth looking up because yeah it's this place is on fire underground and there's no way to put it out and yeah. a little microcosm of our world in a, from yeah. a certain perspective not that far out from new york city or philadelphia feeling inspired do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. Okay, so... Changing topics a bit, you sound like you're, you had some challenges with not having your reusable mug and got some disposables. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you didn't really like that. But on the flip side, you're influencing lots of others as well. And they're enjoying it. You're having more friendly relations with some people that you didn't even connect with before. And then you're influencing people at your office. You've, yeah. several, you've several times described this as one little thing that I can do. So here I'm going to nudge a bit. If a little thing brings you a little joy, would not a big thing bring you more joy? Yeah, I, I've actually been thinking about that and what else I can do. And coffee is one thing when, especially when traveling for work, I don't really know how to take on the, the challenge of prepackaged food because that's unfortunately just, uh, I think the, like, there's not much I can do if I don't have access to a kitchen or stove. Oh, I got to tell you a story. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was giving a talk in Washington, D.C., and then I went down to Charlottesville. And 
in DC, I was staying at a hotel. So when I got food that was courtesy of the, of the association that I was given to talk to, I was eating food that was provided by the hotel. Then that evening, one evening, there was no event. And, I, you know, I just decided I wasn't really that hungry. And so I skipped dinner. And the next morning, I had a little bit bigger breakfast than I normally would. So then I go to Charlottesville, give my talk there. And that evening, I had to catch a train back to New York. And I was really pressed for time. I asked the people that I gave the talk to in Charlottesville, before I get on the train, is there a place where I can pick up, is there a grocery store? So I say, yeah, here's a grocery store. So I got like five minutes to go to the grocery store. I open the door, I look in, I'm like, there's all this packaged food all over the place. And there's some, uh, some produce by the front. And I'm thinking, I don't want to get just fruit because I'm a bit hungrier than I think just fruit would do for me. And I'm like, what do I do? Normally, if I was in my own kitchen, I could cook stuff. And I just, <laughs> do you know what I had for dinner that night on the, on the train ride back? I had three zucchinis and a mango. And I thought, who eats zucchini? Am I, am I going to be too weird? And I thought, wait a minute. If I'm at, a, if I'm at like some uh, wine and cheese event and they have hummus or baba ganoush or something, oftentimes they'll have zucchini that you can just dip in it. Yeah, just, just raw, raw zucchini. zucchini slice. Yeah. Yeah. So I just got the zucchini and in the bathroom before I got on the train, I washed them off. And then I just ate them like a hot dog. Nice. <laughs> and you know what I found out? I think I said this to someone else on this podcast. I forget who I said it to. But when I was a kid, I didn't really like zucchini. And I don't eat it that often, but it's really sweet. I was, yeah. I couldn't finish. I like had to pause between each zucchini to let my mouth recover from how sweet they were. And actually I looked it up later. I, zucchinis are fruit, you know, technically. Is it really? Yeah. It's like, kind of like tomato. They're, oh, I mean, yeah. you know, in a culinary sense, they're a vegetable, but in, I don't know, botany a biological, sense. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised to find something I thought of as like very healthy as being very sweet, more sweet than I could handle without pausing, which I guess is what happens when you go without Ben and Jerry's for a long time and uh, that kind of stuff. Huh. That's pretty, pretty fascinating. Yeah. It turns out that like there's convenient food out there besides fruit that isn't bad. Yeah. I know some of my friends who are more in the, they eat more of a ketogenic diet will, when they travel, carry around cans of sardines and avocados and things like that to make it easier to manage the challenges of hotel food and eating out. So I'm going to do something with you that I haven't done with anyone yet, which is to see if you want to go for a significantly bigger next step. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you're also describing a positive experience or an experience that sounds at least emotionally rewarding. And the reason I'm doing it for you with you, for, the reason I haven't done it before is that I want to support people in, in what they want to do and not to impose on them. On the other hand, now that I've done a few dozen podcasts. You want to push people a little bit further. Well, you know, ultimately, I don't want to have a whole bunch of people who just use less coffee mugs or coffee disposable coffee cups. Not, definitely better than nothing. But also, I think once that mindset shift happens, I think people like the prospect of going for more. And here's a blog post I wrote recently. People often ask me, if you don't eat packaged food, what do you eat? Or if you're not flying, what do you do? And there are two answers to that question. One is what you're looking for and it's worthless, which is I can tell you specifically what I eat, but if you don't, if you really care, that's not sufficient for you because it's not going to help you. You got to figure out for yourself. If you don't care, it's wasting my time and energy for me to answer that question because you're just like, I don't want to be a dancing monkey. And you, if you don't really care, you know, sometimes people just ask stuff because it's what comes to their mind. But if you really do care, way to find out, if you really want to find out, I don't mean you, you, but this is what I've been saying to everyone who asked me that. Yeah. Is you tell yourself, I'm not going to get packaged food and give yourself a time for me as a week. 
and say, I'm just going to figure it out. And one of two things is going to happen. You're going to die of hunger or you're going to figure it out. I guess you could give up. Like if you say, I'm going to travel and not eat these bars, then you'll figure it out. Like I'm pretty sure you're not going to die. Yeah, I, I would definitely figure it out in one way, shape or form. And I can tell you that if you do not try, you will analyze forever and never find out. The main thing is the challenge. You're probably never going to sit down and say, I'm going to be traveling this time from Friday through Tuesday. And so all I do for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for each, no one's, you're not going to do that. I can tell you. No, no, absolutely not. But if you go and you say, I'm going to figure it out, then you'll figure it out. Yeah. So I'm going to stick that, I'm going to have you stick that in the, you know, stick that in the mix of what you're thinking about and see if anything comes out. I think also with the traveling, you know, I just signed this contract to give this talk in Salt Lake City and I negotiated, not negotiated, but I made sure that the contract, which originally said that I would be reimbursed for, for my flights, we changed the wording to say, I'll be reimbursed for my travel because I'm, gonna, I'm most likely going to take the train to Salt Lake City and possibly get, I'm looking into a solar power, uh, uh, an electric vehicle and seeing if the solar powered charging stations go the whole way. Whether that solution would work for others or not is secondary to the main point, which is that well, if you, for, you. for me, it may work, but the reason I mention it is not because I'm suggesting everyone take the train between New York and, and uh, Salt Lake City, but I'm saying that if you have the mindset of, I can do this, then you figure things out. And it actually leads to, like you said for yourself, interesting conversations and relationships you didn't think about, stuff like that. Yeah, going in that mindset of looking for the solutions definitely reframes the entire situation. It sets you in the mindset of problem solving. Like, how am I going to do this? I can do this. It's like fun from a certain perspective. Like, I want to do this thing. I can probably do it. Let me see if I can figure out how. And it becomes different. Like, I suspect that if you say, I'm just not going to do any more of these bars, you'll figure something out and you probably like what you come out with more. I've actually found... I used to do a lot of those bars when I was in business school because I would just go downstairs on the way to school and there's a little deli down there and I get my bars. And not until after I stopped doing that did I look back and realize those bars didn't make me less hungry. I don't know what, I don't know your experience, but I would eat them and I'd find myself just as hungry later as I was before. Yeah, for, for me, they're kind of just, uh, they're not a meal replacement. They're just an additional calorie source. Now here I'm like injecting stuff in, which I... I don't know if I should or shouldn't, but I'm going to do it anyway. Go for it. You know, there's fruit, nuts. True. And you had mentioned, I thought, last time, one of the times we were having had that you buy most of your nuts and goods in bulk from a bulk package store. Yeah, I have in my in my cupboard right now, I have like, I don't know, 10, 20 pounds of nuts. Just, no, not that much. Five or 10 pounds maybe of cashews and some almonds. Mostly cashews. And then every now and then I'll get some walnuts or some Brazil nuts or something on sale. And then I got a bunch of peanut butter, which they also, it's, there's a machine there. So it like grinds it from yeah, the cool. peanuts. Yeah. It, I'd like the taste better and the texture. Yeah. Bring, and you bring your own container and it, it shoots it right into that. Yeah. And partly I eat all these nuts because, you know, I stopped putting, I put less and less oil all the time in my food. And now there's almost no oil. Like if I didn't eat these nuts, I don't know if I'd had a, I don't know how much fat, fat I had in my diet. Taking, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I just kept putting less and less in it and I didn't miss the flavor. And then when I put the nuts on top, I'm like, that tastes really good. Plus the texture. Yeah. yeah anyone listening, if you're, new, if you're like on New York. Cashew. Yeah. Well, all of them. I mean, they all taste really good. You got to pair them right. And so, yeah, whoever's listening, if you want to come over and, and have some of my vegetable stew with, and taste the nuts on it, it's really good. <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to leave that with you. 
we won't schedule the next one unless you want to. But to, this is my first time nudging someone to take on a significantly bigger challenge. Actually, you know, some people have given up. It looks like they're going to give up cars. So it's kind of ramping up on its own, people who are on the podcast. Yeah, so far, everyone who's doing it, they, no one's gotten to hear the podcast from someone else because as we're recording now, it's pre-launch. So no one's heard it. I guess after it's been out, I don't know what's going to happen when I start interviewing people who've heard it before. Are they going to come in having done their own challenge first and now they want to do a bigger one? Or I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I I think that would be interesting seeing people who are hearing people's stories about how they've grappled with a challenge and then trying to figure out what's next. Yeah. So that's my challenge to you now is to think about that. And if you come up with anything, that'll, that'll be something we talk about next. I guess after you're back in New York and we're getting coffee in reusable mugs. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I like how I brought that full circle. I, I do too. That, that was nice. Any message for listeners that something to leave off with? Advice or thoughts or whatever? It's not as hard as you make it up to be in your mind initially. Oh, that's almost... You could be saying that to yourself about the bigger challenges. Yeah. Oh, wow. Way to bring it full circle again. (laughs) I would say that was going meta. Yeah. (laughs) So good. So I'm going to leave that for now as the introduction for the next conversation that we have when when we're in person when we're back in New York. Cool. Thanks, Josh. All right. I'll talk to you then. Yeah. Take care. Bye. I wonder if you can get by never using another disposable coffee cup again. If so, I predict you'll develop relationships with baristas. That is, you'll replace conflict between your environmental values and actions. That is, if you value not polluting. And you'll replace that with increased humanity, maybe even friendship. I hope also hearing my episode from about 18 months ago. This is about 100 episodes before my most recent ones. Maybe hearing my inexperience starting a podcast will motivate you to start your project, whatever it might be. I predict you'll be surprised at how fast you learn, how much you learn, and how much you'll influence others. If you feel inspired too, then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.